Hi, and welcome to the 13th Gate, episode two. We're your gatekeepers. I'm Kat. I'm Amber. And this week we're going to be talking about one of our favorite childhood stories, written back in 1837 by Hans Christensen Andersen. I do apologize. That is the dog drinking water who always seems to drink when we want to record. Um, kind of appropriate, though, because the story this week is The Little Mermaid. So just pretend that's splashing in the water right there you're hearing. Um, the cool thing about The Little Mermaid, everybody knows that she's the daughter of Triton. But did you realize that Triton is the son of Poseidon? He's the full god, which makes Ariel and her sisters half-gods. Now, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Amber. Hold on. So, we might need to get a little bit more into some history because you might have people who are going, but wait a minute, what about their mother? Was she a god too? Because if she wasn't, that would make them only half-gods or demigods. So, well, Triton's mother, in herself, was a goddess of the sea. So, yes. Well, we Triton, know Triton was full, yes. What Triton about... school god. However, Ariel's mother is a mystery, and it's alleged that the mermaid killed by Captain Hook and Peter Pan might have actually been Ariel's mother. Now, her and her six sisters, we know, were raised by their father. It's very clear in the story. Um, but did you realize that there are seven daughters? And history says that he wanted to gift each one their own sea. And how many seas are there? Oh, da-da-da-da, seven! <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's a little bit of geography right there for you. <laughs> Allegedly, though, this angered Poseidon, which caused the fallout between father and son. And, well, that could be part of Triton's anger issues. Yeah, families aren't perfect. No, and apparently this one was no different. I mean, you figure Ariel had a couple issues herself. I mean, she was a bit of a klepto and a little bit of a hoarder with some body issues. She, I mean, she also had a thing for danger i mean daddy was very i mean and rightfully so because if, if legend um or theory or conspiracy theory however you want to put it was true and captain hook and his crew did murder ariel's mother is very understandable as to why you know triton was so against humans why he hated them and why he warned his daughters to never go to the surface and to stay away because, well, he was afraid that they would get killed. But what did Ariel do with the like, She was a rebellious day? teenager. I mean, when you tell a teenager no, what do they do? They do what you told them not to. So in some ways, you know, you kind of have to think, Triton, you kind of had to come in a little bit. Maybe if you would have explained it to her, eh, things might have been different. But then again, when your best friend is paranoid and... Possibly suffering from PTSD and anxiety, and you're being babysit by a crab who is a little narcissistic himself. Uh, you're probably gonna wander off too. I mean, I you do have to go. You you have to give you have to give Trident some credit though, because you know, being a parent myself, you're he was just trying to protect his children the best way he knew how, and he was going at this whole thing like totally single parenting it, not even by choice. But because, you know, he lost his wife, who obviously he cared about deeply and loved. And Ariel would have been, what, very little when she lost her mother? While her sisters were vastly older. I mean, in the movie, she's said to be 16. At 16, you get that rebellious streak. You think you know mm -hmm. it all. You think you're grown up. I mean, Lord knows at 16, I definitely was a little bit of a wild child. But I matured. Somewhat. Um, I've lost some of that wild child a little bit. I say as I almost got in an argument about 20 minutes ago at Walmart. That's not the point. <laughs> I've learned to control my mouth. Yes, I can I can say I witnessed that she did not go off on this. Somebody that really did deserve it. Yes, other person who, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> back to the story. <laughs> not the point, though. At 16... I was definitely a little bit of a hellraiser. You know, I kind of did whatever I wanted. Didn't really have... I, I guess at 16, you know, you can feel like you're immortal. You kind of don't think, like, anything bad is going to happen. You kind of get your first taste of freedom, and you love it. 
you know, you get to go out, you get to do things, you get to break rules and be rebellious, and every 16-year-old's like that. However, most don't travel to a completely different land and fall in love and attempt to run away and then make deals with supernatural creatures. That that part she has me beat on. I didn't do any of that. Hmm. Well, that's a good thing. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that, like... If you didn't have the options, you might have... I mean, if you had the option, I'm pretty sure you might have tried some of it anyway. (laughs) You know, I can't say for sure either way, but I can say, you know, I definitely wasn't the picture-perfect child. I definitely, you know, had my my demons. I had my bad days, my temper. I I am who I am. But you know what? I don't think there's any 16-year-old really that is truly to a T absolutely, like... Crowns and crayons, perfect. I I don't think... I can't think of a single one. None that I knew. None that I hung out with. I mean, I... There's some that seem that way, but you know. <laughs> you know the truth. I, I don't people, so, I mean, I generally kind of stayed home. I mean, I definitely do know that, like... Well, no, because, I mean... No, I, there was one time that I that I kind of did something I wasn't supposed to do. And, oh, no. You know. <laughs> one time. One time. So, like, you know, I wasn't a goody two-shoes. I just don't people. <laughs> like I can legitimately say I think I was grounded from the time I was 12 to probably about a week ago. If you really added up all the time I owed. <laughs> I don't really think I've ever truly been grounded. Girl, I've... <laughs> I can tell you for sure you can study better with a laundry basket on your head. I spent that many hours in my room alone. Okay. Good the to things know. you learn. Good to know. I'll have to uh, let my kids know that. But. <laughs> when you get a special level board. We'll see how that works out for them. I don't know. Um, okay. But we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're gliding off topic, which... We do so frequently. But no, at 16, you know, I didn't have any collections. I didn't hoard anything. I didn't do any of those things, but I guess if you were so passionate about something, you might. I mean, yeah, I I guess, I guess if I were to, I mean, I did have my first relationship at 16-ish, and then, I mean, I wasn't. It's so easy, though, that age. But I wasn't obsessed like she got, like, I wasn't in love like that. I didn't feel like I was in love like that, but I mean, everybody's different, so... Who knows? Like, she just, she felt with her whole heart. And she was bored. I mean, how many of us get bored where we are and want to go out and see what's out there and explore? A lot of us. I mean, I know I met an amazing guy when I was about that age, actually a little bit younger. And honestly, had circumstances be different, I I really probably would be in a different place with him right now. And truly, I mean, that man had my heart. And I'm still very good friends with him. Um, he's married, gorgeous wife, stunning life. But um, you know, he was a very good-hearted person and still is. And honestly, at that young age, I had too much stuff going on. I really did. But he knew his path in life, and that that honestly is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's not a lot of people know at sixteen. At 16, I could not have told you where I'd be, and I surely did not think it'd be here. <laughs> I trained around a couple times since then. But again, never was a hoarder. I don't like stuff. I don't like clutter. So, yeah, not me neither. I- I'm one of those people I'd prefer, you know, no knickknacks, no little dolls or anything, collections that kind of creep me out. But that was her thing, you know. She was obsessed with this. Right. I mean, it was her way of exploring. It was also her adrenaline rush, like, going into those sunken ships and looking to see what was in them and risking, you know, the sharks and whatnot. And Okay, now, I do understand the exploring aspect. You know, I do like to go to places and explore and learn. And, you know, I, I love history. I love learning new facts and new things. So, to me, I get that part of it. Oh, me too. Definitely. But as far as taking trophies and stuff, that's definitely a little bit of kleptomania there. Well, I mean, I, I guess it wouldn't technically be kleptomania because she wasn't really stealing it. It was abandoned because the ship had sunk that she stole it from, or well, took it from. Well, so it's not I like mean, she sought out the owner of the ship. I mean, technically it still belonged to somebody, king or queen somewhere. 
Yeah, but she didn't know that, and she wouldn't have known that because she was in the ocean and not really allowed to go to the surface and talk to humans, so, I mean... But what I find interesting about her is, you know, her power really was her voice. It was, it was. I mean, not just as an outspoken teen, but as... Literally. Her, a, her voice was I her mean, power. I mean, the very beginning of the movie where it starts out is they're having a concert, and she's the featured piece of that concert. And when they open that seashell and she's not there, Daddy is... He's livid. <laughs> yeah. But what well. it comes down to is, you know, originally, sirens were not actually mermaids, but now we associate the two interchangeably. Sirens were actually originally half birds. It was not until the Christian era that they kind of evolved into these half mermaid, half fish things and okay. are now currently intertwined, which I find absolutely fascinating that originally they were birds, which then makes you think of things like banshees and other things. Right. Oh, absolutely. I just find it so interesting that, you know, her voice was her strong suit. Her voice is really what resonated throughout everything. And when you think of Ariel, that's the first thing you think of besides she's a redheaded mermaid. You think of, wow, she had that powerhouse voice. And really, that's the only thing to see which could really lord over her was uh, your voice is what basically is your worth at this point. Right. And I mean, she didn't seem to even like realize that. No, but it's also interesting to note that, you know, throughout history, did you know mermaids were blamed for things like floods, storms, shipwrecks, and drownings? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of... Um, that was one of the things the Greeks feared the mermaids for. They, they, the Greeks did call them sirens, um, up to a point, And they would say they, they were dangerous creatures who lured sailors to the sea with their songs to, to drown them. It's also said that they also would eat them. Hmm. You know, they did have that scene in, um, Pirates of the Caribbean where... Right. You know, they were all beautiful, and then as soon as she got under the water... <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and what's that show that you like to watch? Sirens. It's actually <laughs> called Sirens. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, there, there were so many different things like, you know, the British Isles, the sailors were, you know, they regarded them as evil spirits, but it wasn't just sirens. It, they, they say mermaids, sirens, and sea nymphs, which they all pretty much say are separate, three separate things. They're not together, and I didn't get a chance to look up sea nymphs, which I'm... I think of nymph, and I think of something, like, little, like, almost like a um, pixie type thing. But well, I, I, I don't mean, really know why I associate that. I think nymph seems small to me. Um, Maybe it's because I think of the word gnat. I think you probably do. <laughs> I don't always associate words correctly. I kind of get off on my own little tangents. But the fact that, like, these men were so afraid of these gorgeous women. And you figure they're out at sea for months. You think they would be absolutely fascinated to see a woman and be like, ooh, yay, she's gorgeous. Yup, that's, that's awesome. Oh, and she has a beautiful voice. But I kind of have to wonder, why are all these women with beautiful voices such a scary thing throughout history? I think it has, you know, I mean, from what, from what I read, it's one of those things where, like, you have different things with the, sorry, <laughs> gotta look through my notes, um, so Greek mythology, again, at a different, I guess I'm gonna guess at a different point in time, I mean, it, it all, everything all breaks down, um, to diff, you know, depending on when it happened, you know, the mythologies were happening but basically is their 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 voices were enchanted and the the men who heard their songs they became entranced instantly they were so mesmerized that they would walk to find them or or even swim or whatever they needed to do to get to them and that's where they ended up meeting their death and i think it has a lot to do with Seduction, really. I mean, beautiful woman, beautiful, sultry voice. It's, you know, it, it is it is seductive. It's, it's you know, and that was a thing. And, and, you know, well, I mean, you've got this wife at home and now there's this beautiful woman in front of you and she's gorgeous and 
she's got this gorgeous voice. Like, I mean, you know, think think of, you know, you're the male version of counterpart of that. And, well. All right. <laughs> Listen, I've been, I've been to concerts before. I, I kind of get it. You know, you got that. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, the first story originated around 1000 BC in, I'm probably going to butcher this name here, but Assyria, Assyria, A-S-S-Y-R-I-A. Um, yeah, 1000 BC. It's kind of hard to comprehend the stories going back that far and yet still being so prevalent today. So prevalent, in fact, that in... Kiryat Yam, which is in Israel, they're actually offering, currently to today, a $1 million reward for proof of a real mermaid. They're convinced they have them in their waters. If you can prove it's real, undeniably, the check's yours. Wow, that would... Almost makes you want to travel, doesn't it? (laughs) Pretty much. Now, where is this located? It's in Israel. Hmm. And actually, there is a show with Josh Gates on it where... He goes and he tries to find them. Um, he does see some interesting things, but he does not get the million dollar check, unfortunately. But I'm sure he'll probably try again. I can't blame the man if he does. I mean, a million dollars does go a long way. Well, I mean, it, it's, it, it's kind of funny because, and I don't know where any of these islands are, but like Sirens, um, and this is, again, this is more Greek mythology because a lot of this centers around Greek mythology. Um, they were the daughters of a river god called, um, Achelos. And of course, if I mess any of these names up, my bad. And if y'all know how to pronounce them, please, please, please let us know. <laughs> like, um, but it's spelled A-C-H-E-L-O-U-S. And it's, it said that he lives, he, that he lived on the islands. And, and there's a few different, there's several different ones. So, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know if he lived on all of them or just one of them or. You know, if you're a god, you probably got summer homes. I, that's what I, I would, I would, yeah. So, it's, um, the, the first one is. MTV Cribs. <laughs> Sirenum Scopuli. The second one is Antimusia Islands. Then there's Plural Cape. Or the Capria Mountains. But sirens, you know, who were born of this uh, river god, were not considered deities. They weren't considered gods. Hmm. I guess they were, like, maybe, like, a subcategory. So they wouldn't be demigods. They'd just be, like... Right. I think they were below gods and demigods, but above humans in some manner of speaking. It really makes you wonder where the hierarchy really is. I mean, how low are we on the food chain? That might be another podcast. Some <laughs> <laughs> don't want to know. <laughs> um, I mean, and and like you said, some ver- like some versions describe sirens as winged women that the men and men would like go to find them. You know, being entranced by their voice and would fall to death from cliffs or mountains, or the 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 song would force a ship onto like a rocky shore and cause it to either get run aground or cause it to sink. Well, one of the things that I'd seen is a lot of times sailors would fear the fog because you couldn't see where the voice was coming from. So it would lure them into shipwrecks or into the ocean or into bodies of water where they were subsequently pulled under. And I'm going to guess it's probably why someday in the very far future from this point in time we're talking about, they invented lighthouses. <laughs> probably. I mean, literally rock lighthouses were to keep you away from rocky shores and let you know the coast was closed. i assuming that's because of the fog, bad weather, whatever. But maybe it also had to do a little bit with the mermaids. I mean, you know, you always see them pictured on little rocks out in the water. Rocks are normally in coved areas, so kind of point A to point B, I guess, makes sense. Pretty much. You hear the the mermaid call and, you know, um, that's that's your clue to go the other way. Turn around. Hello. Like, just saying. I mean, but you know what? Not all, like, not all of... Not everybody thought, sorry, like, tongue-tied. Not everybody had the same feelings about these creatures as the Greeks did, where they thought the Greeks thought they were dangerous. Um, 
you had the Persians who didn't view them as half fish, but as complete hu- like humanoid beings that were able to live in the sea. And you know, there's a famous collection of folk tales, which I'm kind of curious about, called One Thousand and One Nights. And it depicts mermaids as these beautiful men and women who can have children with ordinary people. And those children, at, you know, as, as well as whichever parent of theirs was actually like a person, could choose to live in the sea if they wanted to. Which kind of makes me think about um, something that just came out with a very, very handsome actor as the lead role. And he would live in Atlantis. So Aquaman. Okay, I mean, the show that I watched, Sirens, um, which I highly recommend if you're a sci-fi fan, what they say is, you know, they can come out of water and walk among us, but it's very painful to transform back and forth. Well, they can only stay on land for so long each time, a little bit longer each time, because they have to go back to the water. They start to almost develop, like, skin conditions and stuff when they're out and respiratory issues. Now, do you think, with that, do you think that each time they stay out longer and longer and longer that... Eventually, they will no longer be able to change back into a mermaid. Well, they have ones that are descendants of mermaids that can no longer transform at all because it's kind of been bred out of them. Right. Um, But they can only transform in what they call their home waters or their waters. So if they fall in a pool, it's not a big deal. But if they fall in their water, like their salt water or whatever, that's when it becomes a thing. But when they're in the water... They're harder to control their emotions. They become more predators than anything and will attack anything in their waters. So the over the over um, abundant urge to hunt yes takes over. That's interesting. I mean, the Irish <laughs> and and gotta love the Irish. <laughs> you really do. They sorry, held, whatever we did. I'm sorry. Well, they held the belief that mermaids are calling the the sailors to the sea with their songs as a sign of love. Yeah, well, we drink a lot. I know. But that's absolutely adorable, like, if you think about it. Like, that's really cute. That That's what, that's, that's kind of where the Irish went with that. Well, there's a saying, nobody falls in love like an Irishman. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then again, beer gargles are a real thing, so I, yeah, yeah. gotta get it, and... You know what? A half fish, uh, ugly frat boy. It's it's all the same after enough whiskey, right? Well, definitely. I mean, and going back to, um, you know, going back to you know them, you know, being bad things. The the British Isles on the British Isles, the sailors regarded them um, all as evil spirits and bad omens, and their examples of that were pretty much that they represented comings of a storm. The sinking of a ship, and almost always the eventual, eventual death of whomever saw them or whomever claimed to have seen them. That person always usually ended up dying. Which I mean, how many times can you say like they said some guy on a ship goes, oh, oh, mermaid over that or uh, you know over there over yonder or on the port bow or whatever. Like I don't know nautical terms very well. But, but, you know, like... It, it, <laughs> She'd be cute. <laughs> it'll be, you know, a good laugh um, to hear me mess these words up. But how many times do you think that, like, something would happen and, like, the ship would end up crashing because, like, the guy steering it is now trying to, like, find the, the, the mermaid and then something happens... And then they just get mad at this guy, and they're like, right, now you're walking the plank. Like, I, you, you made us crash. Like, this is your fault. You gotta go. Okay. So, a little <laughs> side note. Kat and I both work a job where we have to watch monitors a lot. And after so many hours of staying at the same image, sometimes you start to hallucinate. Um, or maybe we don't, and maybe things are really just as bizarre as they seem. Hard to say. So I can maybe, you know, looking out into open ocean for days, you might start seeing things and going. Well, that's just like, that's just like being in the desert and being dehydrated and seeing an oasis and it's not really there. I mean, I've been out to sea a couple times, different cruises and stuff. And after about like the third day at sea, you know, you start going, are there even any whills left or anything in the water? Like if you haven't seen anything in a while, 
you, you start staring at the waves in the distance and, you know, sometimes you start going, did I see something? Did I not? Mm, not really sure. Yeah. I mean, it's... So I guess, like, if you're sitting up in the sun all day in a crow's nest, I can kind of see, like, maybe where you might start seeing things, start hallucinating after however many hours. I'm sure they didn't do regular shift changes up and down, you know. Probably not. Eight I hours mean, clocking and out. I'm yeah. sure you were probably up there for a long time. Absolutely. I mean, the Chinese, though, the Chinese would, you know, they would speak legends of, you know, elusive, you know, they called them elusive and then, you know, of the sirens, that they would form the most beautiful pearls on earth from their tears and that they could grant immortality to the worthy man. That's beautiful. Right? That's actually very poetic. I like that. I mean, well, China, you know, they're, they're... History and wisdom and all of that usually is very poetic and very, like, just philosophical, to be honest. I mean, I do know from a show that I was watching one time that there is a small tribe that borders a river in South Africa that actually talks about mermaids a lot. And if you see the large tail or fin of a mermaid, it's supposed to mean that there's a prosperous year ahead. For the tribe, and they believe that she's the mother of the river, and that she tends to all the creatures in the river, and that whenever there's an imbalance, the fish aren't healthy, or they're not catching as much, they give her offerings. They bring fruit to, like, the water's edge to try and appease her. Now, really, what it probably does is just bring fish in closer, but regardless of how it works, right. they believe that I they're mean, appeasing the mother of the river by thanking her for everything, and they make sure that if they've had a good catch... That they thoroughly thank her. And we'll have ceremonies right at the water's edge for her and put flowers into the water for her. And basically say, hey, listen, like, we are appreciative of everything that you bring us and you give us. And depending on, I mean, those flowers are probably, like, super fresh, which means they're floating around and the bugs surrounding bugs. They're going to go to those flowers in the water thinking, ooh, pretty flowers. And then that's going to draw the fish up, which is going to give them another bountiful harvest because... Well, the bugs are coming after the fish. Or, I, well, that's Back it. way. <laughs> <laughs> I have not slept in, like, 24 hours, so, yeah. She's living a little in Wonderland right I'm now. a little backwards today. <laughs> but locking the gates were a little difficult tonight. <laughs> we're all a little mad here. <laughs> um, happens? So, the funny, the funny, the funniest thing, the funniest thing, and I have to bring it up, just have to... Um, a lot of sightings of mermaids are attributed to the most adorable, ginormous creatures that I think I've ever seen, and I'm, I'd love to own one, but I don't, I, I don't have a yard or a fish tank big enough, but most of the time they're attributed to being manatees. Oh, chubby mermaids. I mean, even <laughs> Christopher Columbus, on one of, one of the times that he set sail doing, going somewhere, I'm, I'm not exactly sure where it was. But he, he went back to wherever it, you know, he went back, to, went to somewhere or came back from wherever it was and claimed that he saw mermaids. And, you know, here what he really saw was manatees. But, you know, he claimed that they were mermaids and he made a comment about how they're not as beautiful as they're depicted. I mean, <laughs> and, and there will, we, we are going to post some of the, the, during my research, um, literally, like, right before this all started, um, I found some really, really, really nice pictures, like, of paintings that were done of mermaids and stuff that I'm going to post on the Instagram as, like, the cover art for this week's podcast and whatnot. Um, I mean, and they're really pretty paintings. Like, I would probably actually hang one in my bathroom. Like, that would be a really cute, like, theme photo to hang in the bathroom. I mean, I just kind of think it's funny, like, manatees. Like, you always think of mermaids as, like, these slender creatures that are just very majestic, and the manatees are... <laughs> they're a little on the chunky side. <laughs> a little? <laughs> you know, it's... Oh, my God. I, I... There is this, um... Down in Florida, about a half... My, half about a half hour away from where my grandmother lives, there is an aquarium. And I've been to it twice. And they have a tank where they have a, a couple manatees in this tank. This tank, I think, is like... I don't even think it would fit, in, I, I, honestly, in my kitchen. 
these creatures are huge. They, I mean, I'm, I'm five foot tall and I'm pretty sure like I could lay down and like I could stand on top of my own head and they still might be longer than I am. Hmm. Like, and, and they're just like huge and they're giant and they throw heads of romaine lettuce in and like some of the times you'll see them and it's the cutest thing. They're like face in like this, this and this head of lettuce is really not even it doesn't even cover their whole nose, but they've got like it's like on their nose and they're just munching away. Aww. They're just munching and they love this lettuce and stuff like and that's what they eat. They eat seaweed and stuff like that. Like they're literally sea cows. I mean, to me, they're adorable. I really think they're just cute and fun. But you know, I to me, a mermaid, I think thin, and then you. The humanity, and you think, oh, oh, well, okay. But some guys are into the chubby girls. I <laughs> whatever floats your boat. I mean, I, I, I we appreciate it <laughs> here, here, here at the here at the thirteenth gate. We we think that some sightings might have been manatees, if you're in the right area for manatees. But um, I don't know if they have manatees in Greece. I've never been to Greece. But I can tell you that I believe in mermaids and all of that. I believe in sirens. I believe in mermaids. I believe in the gods and goddesses. Um, and, I mean, I believe in all of them. Every one of them. I mean, to be part of the 13th Gate, you kind of have to have a wide spectrum of beliefs. Because the things you hear and the things you see and the things you know are all intertwined in weird ways right and here at the 13th gate anything is possible oh yeah but as far as you know they go i mean i think mermaid to see cows dolphins seem a little bit more plausible i mean wait 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 okay so we're gonna go back to the little mermaid you're going back to when ursula is singing her song to ariel and telling her you know I help people and doing her spiel and being her good salesperson. And, you know, it, it, it goes to that one, like, she she put, gets that couple together. He's super skinny and nerdy looking, like, and, like, when I say nerdy, I don't mean, like, the nerds you see nowadays where you're like, oh, wow, okay, um, you lift weights and you're brilliant, damn. I'm talking that stereotypical, like, super thin, like, movie nerd. And the heavy set, like, very overweight mermaid. And she, they do whatever they do. They sign their souls away to her. And then she snaps her fingers and makes a potion and makes him all buff and hot looking and makes her all skinny and pretty looking and but they how get together. Is that? Like now looking back as an adult, I'm like, well, that's tragic. Right. I mean I mean that definitely, definitely did paint a picture for us kids who grew up in that era where you're supposed to be skinny and you're supposed to be buff and guys are supposed to be buff and that's what the ideal was. I mean, everybody wanted to be Ariel. I wanted to be Ariel. I think every little girl Whoever swam in a pool at one point in time was a mermaid. Oh, yes. I mean, they kind of had to be. It's a rite of passage growing up. Oh, yes. I mean, okay, so back to a little bit more of this history because you started talking about how mermaids came from um, the one god that with the name that, that was unpronounceable because you uh, Okay, don't speak. Poseidon, uh, his wife. <laughs> I'm going to butcher this. Aphrodite. Okay. A M P H I T R I T E. Okay, so you have that. I have here um, something I found, and it says the first female sea goddess, but it says a god, but it pretty much is she's female. Um, that had the greatest resemblance to the mermaid was an Assyrian goddess, um, and I'm gonna butcher this name. I think as Astragatus. Um, and she basically, like, this is, this goes back to kind of where we were talking about, um, why Ariel's father, why Triton was like, yeah, we need to, like, stay away from the humans. 
Um, but basically, she, this this one decided that she was going to she she was human, and she decided as a goddess she decided she needed to hide herself away from the mortals because she accidentally killed one. So it said that she like dove into the water, and after diving below the water, the sea refused to hide her beauty, and decided to not transform the upper half of her body. Hmm. So basically. You know, it it only it only turned her into a fish, you know, from the waist down, and it kept the parts that it deemed beautiful, which is interesting because, you know, well, I guess that goes for the leg guys. I mean, and the foot fetishes. Oof! Don't understand those. <laughs> Not knocking them if you have them. I just don't understand them. Yeah, well. Um. But see, then there's another thing that pops up, and I don't know how into, um, and there's a cute little anime cartoon, like, comic strip that pops up on Facebook every once in a while, and it pops up on mine. Sometimes it'll pop up, um, other places. Um, but in some myths, they, um, sirens were created to be the playmates of the young goddess Persephone. Hmm. who is the daughter of Zeus. She's the goddess of springtime, which is adorable. And and what in these comics, she's, she's like this really pretty jade green color and she's got like flowers and stuff. And she's like, she's like, she's adorable and she's really pretty. Well, what happened was these, these like creatures, they were created to be her playmates, were created into monsters by her mother, Demeter, after Hades abducted Persephone because Hades was in love with Persephone hmm. in some of these Greek mythology stories. And he kidnapped her and brought her to the underworld. And he, like, holds her captive down there. Now, some of them pretty much say she's like a prisoner, which if you watched, um, oh, what is that silly movie? Um, with the boy, and he's, he's like, the, he's, they're, they're all, all these teenagers are demigods, and they go after Medusa, and he's gotta get his, you know, his dad's trident back, and, um, they have to go in, you know, to Haiti, you know, they have to go into Hades because it says that Hades was the one who stole it or something, and whatever. Girl, you got me on that one. I've watched a lot of movies, but that's definitely um, not one of them. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. But it kind of reminds me of Fantasia. Which, by the way, totally underrated Disney movie. Definitely think more people should have seen it. But a lot of people ignored it. I thought it was awesome. Still like the dancing hippos. They crack me up. I... That always goes back to um, Dumbo for me. And Winnie the Pooh. The Heffalumps and Woozles. <laughs> And you had the Heffalumps and Woozles and, like, Winnie the Pooh and Dumbo, but occasionally you had the Dancing Hippos. Percy Jackson. Never seen it. No? Um, in the movie, in the first movie, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but um, it's a cute movie and there's two of them. But in the first one, they have to go into hell, they have to go down into Hades um, and retrieve this, like, ball thing? Like... That will transport them, or, or they had to go through and like receive these things that would transport like a certain number of people, and they get down in they get down there and they end up meeting up with Persephone, and she's like she complains that she is a prisoner that she's not allowed to leave. Huh? She helps them because like she's she doesn't she's she's angry with Hades because she well she's the goddess of springtime and he's got her down in this like hellscape where it's like always a million degrees <laughs> or whatever or however you view it and it's all dark and it's dreary and it's blah i'm surprised she doesn't redecorate that's not a chick after my own heart because i'd be down there redecorating <laughs> i don't know it, i mean honestly though everything might die down there so it might be hard she might have tried and it you're springtime springtime you got the rains man i'd be putting out the fires <laughs> yeah but if, if it's underground you, you don't really control the brain necessarily? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'm not a goddess. Brain? I'm just... It's interesting. Um, 
But yeah, like he, you know, it's but know your captor. But it's also <laughs> it's also said there's also in these comics there's this other little like red reddish pink. I guess she's a goddess. I'm not sure who she is because I've never seen them from the beginning. They barely have any talking in them, and I, I have a tendency to not know what it like I don't know the title of this little comic strip like it it doesn't ever say it it just randomly will pop up and I'm like well I missed like a million things because I don't I'm confused but whatever but there's this adorable little like pink goddess or whatever and some of the time like she's with Hades and she's all ooh, you know and I think she's in love with Hades or Persephone might be in love with Hades and these I don't it's confusing because I don't exactly know what's Your going Facebook on it's way different than mine absolutely we have different. Mine is mostly sales ads, which <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, might be my own fault. <laughs> yeah, mine tends to be cute stuff like that, and recipes, and T-shirts about serial killers. <laughs> so yeah, mine tells me a lot of purses and bags and art stuff, which uh, I'm a sucker for. So. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, you know, the, the oh, psychology, crackling, by the way, I'm eating ice right now. Like, it's interesting to see the psychology behind some of these, like, mysteries. Like, you're learning, you feel like you're learning the history of the people in a cartoon movie that was made and and adapted from a book and i mean hans christian anderson i'm gonna say i I got i got it that time um a lot of his stories were dark almost like the brothers Grimm, who i'm sure will end up doing some of their covers oh absolutely um because some of their things are very interesting as well their stories and their adaptations of these things but it's funny because a lot of these stories were passed down along to them and other people, you know, and then they got their hands on it by word of mouth. Well, I mean, you know, there's the Pilgrim Tales, which it's a series that goes on forever. And it's all these people telling all these stories as they're on the pilgrimage. And it literally was like half of my senior year in high school. And I'm going to tell you, I do not remember more than maybe two of them. Oof. And there was, it was quite a few of them, and I don't think I passed any of those tests. <laughs> I think the papers in that class were the only thing that got me through, and I'll be honest with you, most of them I wrote like an hour before class, because I procrastinate when it comes to that kind of stuff in classes I don't like. But, um, you know, a lot of them were all... The whole thing is basically they're on a pilgrimage and each person has to tell a story to kind of pass the time. And so each story has like a moral behind it. But if you come back to the original story of, you know, the Little Mermaid, her and the princess don't live happily ever after. That's a Disney twist. Like most of their stories, things do not actually end the way that Disney portrays. You know, it's not always a happily ever after. A lot of times people die and they die in very brutal ways. Right. I mean... They did kind of sort of try to, they, they did kind of sort of like try to follow the way of the, the, the original story because in the original story, the prince marries someone else. In the movie, the prince almost, <laughs> almost marries someone else who ends up, ha- you know, being the sea witch trying to keep, you know, because she was like, um, this girl's about to win and I can't let her win because I need her under my control so that I can get the trident from her father and take over the ocean and be the ruler. Because that's essentially in the movie and possibly even in the book, but I don't, I've never read the stories themselves. Um, I'd like to. And do you know at the end, because she wasn't able to get love, she was supposed to kill him, and his blood was supposed to restore her fins. Right, Ariel was. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't bring herself to do it, which, I mean, I guess, if you really love someone, you're probably not going to kill him. Yeah, it's true. I would hope not, anyway. Then again, there are those people who are so, in, you know, supposedly so in love with someone that they can't let you live without them, and they can't allow them to, you know, if I can't have you, no one else can. 
Yeah, but you know what? That's yeah. That's a psychological podcast that we are going to get into at a different time. But that's an issue in itself, you know, when it comes to loving somebody so much that you become obsessive and stalkering and, you know, that leads down a really crazy road. But, you know, to love somebody so much that you just want to see them happy, that's heartbreaking. It really is. I mean, everybody has had that crush that has favored somebody else over them or, you know, has chosen a different path. And a heartbreak really does hurt. It literally does feel like a pain in your chest sometimes. It does. I mean, like, look at my relationship with my children's father. I did my best to make that relationship work. And I was not perfect, but I was also not, well, I was not as much of an asshole as he was. And, you know, then he's been married for five years now. And the person he's married to, albeit she is an amazing person... I go back every once in a while and I kind of look at it and I'm like, all right, well, her and I have so much in common. Like, we have a lot of the same likes and dislikes. We have a lot of the same interests. Um, But we're also vastly different in some places where she's very non-confrontational and I am um, (laughs) the opposite. But it's one of those where you look at it and you go, what does she have that I didn't? What is she what is she providing for him that I wasn't? Because some of the things that I did for him, I mean, I didn't kill for him, but I I got myself in mixed up in some trouble for him and and ended up, you know. But you know what? I think everybody whenever you have crush on somebody, if they end up with somebody else, you look at yourself and instead of saying, you know, what is wrong with them or what you know, what is the attraction there? You know, you start thinking, what is wrong with me? Oh, yeah. You definitely do. And unfortunately, then you start thinking about, well, body-wise, is this person prettier, thinner, thicker hair, prettier eyes, prettier voice? You know, is she talented? Like, you start comparing everything and then end up putting yourself in a lose column over and over again, which only makes you depressed and hating yourself. And so, you know, you kind of get into the mindset of The Little Mermaid there where she's, you know, she's, you know, she's wanting to be a person. She wants to be on land. She wants to be with him. But she knows ultimately, you know, his heart's with somebody else. I have to give it up to her in the end of the story, you know, to not. Right. I mean, and there's a couple versions that you were telling me. One version was she gave up her voice or, well, that we kind of heard about one was that she gave up her voice the other one was that she gave like that, that she had to like cut out her tongue mm-hmm. um essentially leaving her to be a mute you know and it, it almost goes to to wonder because her voice was her power her voice was her thing and it's what kind of depicts you know depicts it in the disney movies when like um the seagull whose name i'm just like was there and then pop just jumped right out of my brain um scuttle when scuttle goes and he grabs the necklace from ursula's neck and breaks the thing and then ariel steps on the seashell and gets her voice back and then eric realizes who she is and like that he fell in love with her because of her voice um because he heard her like he you know she rescued him and he heard her singing but supposedly he kind of sort of didn't actually see her face. Um, you know, so it goes to, it, it kind of makes you wonder if she'd had her voice or was able to do what she did in the movie and get her voice back somehow if he wouldn't have chosen her. But you know, it's interesting how many Disney men fall in love with the women because of their voices. Or, or something similar. It's, you know, kind of sad. I mean, I, I guess mean, it's better that you fall in love with her for her talent than for just solely her looks. But it's also one of those things where if you can't carry a note as a woman, you're kind of like, oh, well, there goes my Prince Charming. <laughs> I mean, if you're the kind of woman that's like scraping cement and breaking glass, ugh, 
if I guess it doesn't make you feel very feminine, according to Disney, but... Right. You know, at the end of the day, I think every little girl wanted to be Ariel. Every little girl wanted to be a mermaid. Every girl wanted to sing and, you know, have that splashing fun in the water. But, uh, unfortunately, we don't find our prince charming. And thankfully, a lot of us, when we do, do not murder them. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> unfortunately, though, a lot of our prince charmings do tend to run off with other women. So that's kind of sad, but I mean, it's the 13th gate, so I mean, it's weird. Right. It, it is <laughs> It is a thing. Um, I mean, you have, I mean, as far as the princes and princesses go, like you have Snow, like you go back to Snow White. Like she, I think, is the oldest story that they have um, that we're aware, like as far as we're aware at this point, because we still got to do some more research into that. Um... And the prince that, you know, comes to her rescue, basically, literally did so because he stumbled across her supposed dead body in the middle of a forest. Yeah, you know, that's a little creepy. I mean, when I see a dead person, I'm surely not thinking, <laughs> let me make out with him. No, no, I'm normally like, right, well. Right. I mean, and then you have, you have Princess, you know, you have Sleeping Beauty, who's Princess Aurora, who... She bumps into the into the prince that she meets, which I believe is I think he was Philip. Yes, um, she, she bumps into him in the middle of the woods. Again, in the middle of the woods, <laughs> there's a random girl like. Yeah, maybe that's our problem. We're hanging around the woods enough. I know, right? Um, but then, like he he does the same thing. He goes to her while she's sleeping, and he kisses her and wakes her up and saves her. Like. A lot of the earlier movies, which is, this is also going to be something we get into in another podcast at, at some point, but a lot of those movies up until you get to the point of, um, like Brave and Rapunzel kind of and Moana, Moana and, um, Frozen. Yeah. Um, and there was another one that I was thinking of specifically, too, and it just left my brain. Oh, gosh. Um, but they're all... Oh, Princess and the Frog, Tiana. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are, you know, now are showing how the princesses are... Well, they're they're not damsels in distress, necessarily. Milan. They have different... And that was a true story. Like, legit true story. That, that was an adaptation of actual history, like historical events. And made adorable. Um. (laughs) But here's the thing. You know, these women, they're not all damsels in distress. We don't always want a prince to come save us and kiss me before you kiss me. You know, don't don't just, you know, stumble upon me. If I'm taking a nap somewhere, please don't shove your tongue down my throat. That's not going to get you anywhere. (laughs) I mean... Honestly, you you go like my brain always goes to serial killers. Like it, this is a thing. It, it does this, and it, and it will drive people crazy. Like, I'm sorry, I do it. I can't help it. But you know that that kind of goes to if she really was if Snow White really happened dead. <laughs> that like that 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 pretty much normalizes necrophilia for kids. Oh gosh, yeah, it does. <laughs> Like, I mean, and, and the same, the same goes for Sleeping Beauty as far as, like, she was basically unconscious, not dead, technically speaking, but that goes, that speaks to, um, you know, molestation without consent being an okay thing as well. Well, I mean, you know, Beyonce said, if you like it, put a ring on it, and Disney's like, if you like it, put your tongue down his throat. I mean, yeah, they did that. It's unfortunately a repetitive thing, you know. If you like him, pursue them heavily. Pursue them in ways that today, by society, it's disturbing. But this is what we're teaching young kids, and that's just sad. Right, and I mean, and then the times are changing now, and I mean, I'm wondering, you know, and, and this might bring up a little bit of controversy. Um, well, at least, you know, they said that in the second movie, Frozen movie, that Elsa has, like, uh, you know, that, like, they pretty much painted it as, like, Elsa was going to be a lesbian. Hmm. Um, and that she ends up having a girlfriend. Um, 
spoiler alert, doesn't happen. Hmm. I mean, she doesn't get a really awesome pet lizard and makes friends with the wind and, and some other things and a seahorse. She gets a seahorse. It's really cool. Oh, um, but I'm kind of wondering when, I mean, we've had gay Disney characters that we didn't even realize were gay, which I think is absolutely adorable, which is something we will possibly cover in maybe a mini. We can talk about that one. I don't know if there's enough to make a full pod cast. Um, but I'm kind of curious as to when we will get our first transgender. Oh, I think it's definitely going to happen. You know, I if you're noticing, though, a lot more people are content with their bodies and content with who they are. And thank you, Disney. Moana had curves. Like, she wasn't that dick figure girl. Like, even Brave, like, homegirl's got my hairstyle. Like, oh, she, my God. Meredith was so cute. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, you put me in any type of humidity and my hair does that. My kids and I bawled our eyes out. And, and my grandmother went with us as well. She took us to the movies to see that. We literally bawled our eyes out, all four of us, in the movie theater to that movie, like, when she was upset because she didn't think her mom, like, I can't, like, I just can't, I love that movie to death. But, like, it's, these women are finally starting to look like women instead of these stick figures. I mean, literally, Ariel wanted to change who she was as a woman. I mean, I don't. To fit into what she thought he wanted her to be. Like, that, when you really break that down, like, that is so mentally wrong for a child to think. I mean, because then they go on to make the next one with her daughter in it and, like, Prince Eric is barely in that one, by the way, like, as far as I remember. And, you know, her daughter wanted nothing more than to go live in the sea. But, like, she wouldn't let her, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. It was weird. I For me, though, like, the whole movie is change who you are to accommodate a man and to accommodate what you believe is love. But yet now we're trying to tell children, no, be true to yourself. And if somebody doesn't love you for you, then screw them. Meanwhile, Disney's still like, oh, but shove your tongue down somebody's throat if they don't want it. It's fine. They'll wake up and be happy about it. And then we're like, yeah, no, that's illegal. Please don't do that. Like, right. I mean, these I'm- are your childhood cher- like fairy tales and things to aspire to, but don't actually do the things in them because, hey, uh, <laughs> right. Problems. I mean, as children, that's confusing, and like we're not coming at Disney for it, but no, because at the time they're really, literally, just taking a story and adapting it into a movie form that they thought children would like. And- I don't they're coming at Disney, but I just. When you really break down the stories and you think about the messages behind them as an adult, you're like, wow, you know, I I really probably should not have expired to feel that way. And now I wonder if that's not why some of the times I think I'm not good enough. Because right. you see these princesses that aren't quote unquote good enough. But thank God now the princesses are very, I am who I am and <laughs> screw you if you don't like it. Right, because if you watch the second Wreck-It Ralph movie... They're all very much, you know, like, you know, when they describe were you a princess, like, did you need a man to save you? Like, did you need a prince or whatever to save you? Did this happen? Did that happen? Like, they go through an entire list and, you know. The, it's all defeminizing. It, it's very, you know, yeah. degrading, I should say. Uh, you know, and Vanellope was pretty much like, no, but I did have to save my entire, like, kingdom. So does that count? And they were like, yes. And she was like, okay, but I think there's something wrong with you girls because you you don't need a man to save you. Like, what is wrong with you? I mean, and men don't need women to save, you know, them. You shouldn't have to value yourself based on the other person. You should right. never change yourself. And, you know, you shouldn't be lured into a situation, like into the sea to your death because somebody seems alluring, which... In itself, I believe, is its own story. You know, don't follow things just because they look good. It's not always right. the best idea. And and relationships should be 50-50. It shouldn't be, you know, 50-70, 80-20. Like, it should literally be 50-50. Both have to put in to get out good results. I mean, whether you believe they're real or not, at the end of the day, there are men who have lost their lives to them, so... It is what it is. I mean, they've gone absolutely mad over them. And hey, if you really want a million dollars, you know where to go for your next mermaid sighting. <laughs> right. 
Um, so check out check out some of the check out these pictures on our Instagram. Thirteenth um, Gatekeepers. Um, I think it's at Thirteenth Gatekeepers is how you say the Instagram stuff. Um, uh, we're working on getting a Facebook and all that at some point. Maybe a Twitter, but I, I mean we don't really know how to work Twitter. I don't do Twitter, so <laughs> not not to put down Twitter, but. I, um, all right, well, we're out of time. We're locking the gates for tonight, so you guys have a wonderful time, and come back next time we open them. Definitely. Every Wednesday. Bye. Bye.